0: chapter twenty four of the spirit of the border by zane gray this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by leonard wilson chapter twenty four when the first ruddy rays of the rising sun crimsoned the eastern sky wetzel slowly wound his way down a rugged hill far west of beautiful spring a white dog weary and footsore limped by his side Both man and beast showed evidence of severe exertion. The hunter stopped in a little cave under a projecting stone, and laying aside his rifle, began to gather twigs and sticks. He was particular about selecting the wood, and threw aside many pieces which would have burned well. But when he did kindle a flame, it blazed hotly, yet made no smoke. He sharpened a green stick, and taking some strips of meat from his pocket, roasted them over the hot flame. He fed the dog first. Mose had crouched close on the ground with his head on his paws, and his brown eyes fastened upon the hunter. He had too big a start for us, said Wetzel, speaking as if the dog were human. It seemed that Wetzel's words were a protest against the meaning in those large, sad eyes. Then the hunter put out the fire, and searching for a more secluded spot, finally found one on top of the ledge where he commanded a good view of his surroundings. The weary dog was asleep. Wetzel settled himself to rest and was soon wrapped in slumber. About noon he awoke. He arose, stretched his limbs, and then took an easy position on the front of the ledge where he could look below. Evidently the hunter was waiting for something. The dog slept on it was the noonday hour when the stillness of the forest almost matched that of midnight the birds were more quiet than at any other time during daylight wetzel reclined there with his head against the stone and his rifle resting across his knees he listened now to the sounds of the forest the soft breeze fluttering among the leaves the rain call of the tree frog the caw of crows from distant hilltops the sweet songs of the thrush and oriole were blended together naturally harmoniously but suddenly the hunter raised his head a note deeper than the others a little too strong came from far down the shaded hollow to wetzel's trained ear it was a discord he manifested no more than this attention for the bird call was the signal he had been awaiting he whistled a note in answer that was as deep and clear as the one which had roused him moments passed there was no repetition of the sound the songs of the other birds had ceased besides wetzel there was another intruder in the woods mose lifted his shaggy head and growled the hunter patted the dog in a few minutes the figure of a tall man appeared among the laurels down the slope he stopped while gazing up at the ledge Then, with noiseless step, he ascended the ridge, climbed the rocky ledge, and turned the corner of the stone to face Wetzel. The newcomer was Jonathan Zane. "'Jack, I expected you afore this,' was Wetzel's greeting. "'I couldn't make it sooner,' answered Zane. "'After we left Williamson and separated, I got turned around by a band of several hundred redskins, making for the village apiece. I went back again, but couldn't find any sign of the trail we're hunting.' "'that I makes for this meetin' place. "'I've been goin' for some ten hours, and I'm hungry.' "'I've got some bar already cooked,' said Wetzel, "'handing Zane several strips of meat. "'What luck did you have? "'I found Gertie's Trail, an old one, "'over here some eighteen or twenty miles, "'and followed it until I went almost into the Delaware town. "'It led to a hut in a deep ravine. "'I ain't often surprised.' "'But I was then. "'I found the dead body of that girl, Kate Wells, "'we fetched over from Fort Henry. "'That's sad, but it ain't the surprising part. "'I also found Silvertip, the Shawnee I'd been looking for. "'He was all knocked and cut up, deader'n a stone. "'There'd been something of a scrap in the hut. "'I calculate Gertie murdered Kate, "'but I couldn't think then who did for Silver.' though I allowed the renegade might have done that too. I watched round and seen Gertie come back to the hut. He had ten engines with him, and presently they all made for the west. I trailed them, but didn't calculate it'd be wise to tackle the bunch single-handed, so laid back. A mile or so from the hut I came across horse tracks mingling with the moccasin prints. About fifteen miles or so from the Delaware town, Gertie left his buckskins, and they went west, while he stepped to the horse tracks. I was on to his game in a minute. I cut across country for a beautiful spring. But I got there too late. I found the warm bodies of Joe, and that engine girl, Wins. The snake had murdered them. I allowed Joe one over Wins, got away from the Delaware town with her, Tried to rescue Kate and kill Silver in the fight. Gertie probably was surprised and run after he had knifed the girl. Pears so to me. Joe had two knife cuts, and one was an old wound. You say it was a bad fight? Must have been. The hut was all knocked in and stuff scattered about. Well, Joe could go some if he once got started. I'll bet he could. He was the likeliest lad I've seen for many a day. If he'd lasted, he'd been something of a hunter and fighter. Too bad. But, Lord, you can't keep him down no more than you can. Lots of these wild young chaps that drift out here. I'll allow he had the fever bad. Did you have time to bury them? I hadn't time for much. I sunk them in the spring. It's a pretty deep hole, said Zane, reflectively. Then you and the dog took Gertie's trail, but couldn't catch up with him. He's now with the renegade cutthroats and hundreds of riled Indians over there in the village of peace. I reckon you're right. A long silence ensued. Jonathan finished his simple repast, drank from the little spring that trickled under the stone, and sitting down by the dog, smoothed out his long silken hair. Lou! "'We're pretty good friends, ain't we?' he asked thoughtfully. "'Jack, you and the Colonel are all the friends I ever had, "'exceptin' that boy lying quiet back there in the woods. "'I know you pretty well, and I ain't sayin' a word "'about your runnin' off from me on many a hunt, "'but I want to speak plain about this fellow Gertie.' "'Well,' said Wetzel, as Zane hesitated, "'twice in the last few years you and I have had it in for the same men.' Both white-livered traitors, you remember? First it was Miller, who tried to ruin my sister Betty, and next it was Jim Gertie, who murdered our old friend, as good an old man as ever wore moccasins. Well, after Miller ran off from the fort, we trailed him down to the river, and I points across and says, You or me? And you says, me. You was Betty's friend, and I knew she'd be avenged. Miller is lying quiet in the woods, "'and violets have blossomed twice over his grave, "'though you never said a word. "'But I know it's true because I know you.' "'Zane looked eagerly into the dark face of his friend, "'hoping perhaps to get some verbal assurance there "'that his belief was true. "'But Wetzel did not speak, and he continued. "'Another day, not so long ago, "'we both looked down at an old friend "'and saw his white hair matted with blood. "'He'd been murdered for nothing.' Again, you and me trailed a coward, and found him to be Jim Gerty. I knew you'd been huntin' him for years, and so I says, "Lou, you or me?" And you says, "Me." I give in to you, for I knew you're a better man than me, and because I wanted you to have the satisfaction. Well, the months have gone by, and Jim Gerty's still livin' and carryin' on. Now he's over there after them poor preachers. I ain't sayin', Lou, that you haven't more agin him than me, but I do say, let me in on it with you. He always has a gang of redskins with him. He's afraid to travel alone, else you'd had him long ago. Two of us'll have more chance to get him. Let me go with you. When it comes to a finish, I'll stand aside while you give it to him. I'd enjoy seein' you cut him from shoulder to hip. After he leaves the village of peace, we'll hit his trail, camp on it, and Stick to it till it ends in his grave. The earnest voice of the backwoodsman ceased. Both men rose and stood facing each other. Zane's bronzed face was hard and tense, expressive of an indomitable will. Wetzel's was coldly dark, with fateful resolve, as if his decree of vengeance once given was as immutable as destiny. The big horny hands gripped in a vice-like clasp, born of fierce passion but no word was spoken far to the west somewhere a befrilled and bedizened renegade pursued the wild tenor of his ways perhaps even now steeping his soul in more crime or staining his hands a deeper red but sleeping or waking he dreamed not of this deadly compact that meant his doom the two hunters turned their stern faces toward the west and passed silently down the ridge into the depths of the forest darkness found them within rifle shot of the village of peace with the dog creeping between them they crawled to a position which would in daylight command a view of the clearing then while one stood guard the other slept when morning dawned they shifted their position to the top of a low fern-covered cliff from which they could see every movement in the village all the morning they watched with that wonderful patience of men who knew how to wait. The visiting savages were quiet. The missionaries moved about in and out of the shops and cabins. The Christian Indians worked industriously in the fields, while the renegades lolled before a prominent teepee. This quiet looks bad, whispered Jonathan to Wetzel. No shouts were heard, not a hostile Indian was seen to move they've come to a decision whispered jonathan and wetzel answered him if they have the christians don't know it an hour later the deep pealing of the church bell broke the silence the entire band of christian indians gathered near the large log structure and then marched in orderly form toward the maple grove where the service was always held in pleasant weather this movement brought the indians within several hundred yards of the cliff where zane and wetzel lay concealed "'There's Heckewelder walking with old man Wells,' whispered Jonathan. "'There's Young and Edwards, and—' "'Yes, there's the young missionary, Brother Joe. "'Appears to me they're foolish to hold service in the face of all those riled engines.' "'Wesson foolish,' answered Wetzel. "'Look, my gum, as I'm a living sinner, there comes the whole crowd of hostile redskins. "'They've got their guns. "'And by gum they're painted. "'Looks bad, bad.' Not much friendliness about that much. They ain't intendin' to be peaceable. By gum, you're right. There ain't one of them settin' down. Pears to be I know some of them redskins. There's Pipe, sure enough, and Katoxin. By gum if there ain't chingis. He was friendly once. None of them's friendly. Look, Lou, look, right behind Pipe. See that long war bonnet? as i'm a born sinner that's your old friend wingenund pierced me we've rounded up all our acquaintances the two bordermen lay close under the tall ferns and watched the proceedings with sharp eyes they saw the converted indians seat themselves before the platform the crowd of hostile indians surrounded the glade on all sides except one which singularly enough was next to the woods "'Look, dar!' exclaimed Wetzel under his breath. He pointed off to the right of the maple blade. Jonathan gazed in the direction indicated, and saw two savages stealthily slipping through the bushes and behind trees. Presently these suspicious acting spies, or scouts, stopped on a little knoll perhaps a hundred yards from the glade. Wetzel groaned. "'This ain't comfortable,' growled Zane in a low whisper. "'Them red devils are up to something bad.' They'd better not move round over here. The hunters, satisfied that the two isolated savages meant mischief, turned their gaze once more toward the maple grove. Ah, Simon, you white traitor! See him, Lou, comin' with his precious gang, said Jonathan. He's got the whole thing fixed. You could plainly see that. Bill Elliott? McKee? And who's that renegade with Jim Gurney? I'll allow he must be the feller we heard was with the Chippewas. Tough-looking customer, a good mate for Jim Girty, a fine lot of border hawks. Something coming off, whispered Wetzel, as Zane's low growl grew unintelligible. Jonathan felt rather than saw Wetzel tremble. The missionaries are consulting. Ah, oh, there comes one. Which I guess it's Edwards. By gum, who's that engine stalkin' over from the hostile bunch? Big chief, whoever he is. "'Blessed if it ain't half-king!' "'The watcher saw the chief wave his arm "'and speak with evident arrogance to Edwards, "'who, however, advanced to the platform "'and raised his hand to address the Christians. "'Crack!' "'A shot rang out from the thicket. "'Clutching wildly at his breast, "'the missionary reeled back, staggered, and fell. "'One of those skulkin redskins has killed Edwards, said Zane. But no, he's not dead. He's getting up. Maybe he ain't hurt bad. By gum, there's Young coming forward, of all the fools. It was indeed true that Young had faced the Indians. Half-King addressed him as he had the other. But Young raised his hand and began speaking. Crack! Another shot rang out. Young threw up his hands and fell heavily. The missionaries rushed toward him. "'Mr. Wells ran round the group, "'wringing his hands as if distracted. "'He's hard hit,' he is saying between his teeth. "'You can tell that by the way he fell.' "'Wetzel did not answer. "'He lay silent and motionless, "'his long body rigid and his face like marble. "'There comes the other young feller, Joe's brother. "'He'll get plugged, too,' continued Zane, "'whispering rather to himself than to his companion. "'Oh, I hope they'd show some sense.' It's noble for them to die for Christianity, but he won't do no good. By gum, Heckwelder has pulled him back. Now that's good judgment. Half-King stepped before the Christians and addressed them. He held in his hand a black war club, which he wielded as he spoke. Jonathan's attention was now directed from the maple grove to the hunter beside him. He had heard a slight metallic click as Wetzel cocked his rifle. Then he saw the black barrel slowly rise. Listen, Lou, maybe it ain't good sense. We're after Gertie, you remember, and it's a long shot from here, full three hundred yards. You're right, Jack, you're right, answered Wetzel, breathing hard. Let's wait and see what comes off. Jack, I can't do it. It'll make our job harder, but I can't help it. I can put a bullet just over the Huron's left eye and I'm going to do it. You can't do it, Lou, you can't. It's too far for any gun. Wait, wait, whispered Jonathan, laying his hand on Wetzel's shoulder. Wait, man, can't you see what that unnameable villain is doing? What, asked Zane, turning his eyes again to the glade. The converted Indian sat with bowed heads. Half-King raised his war club and threw it on the ground in front of them. He's announcing the death decree, hissed Wetzel. Well, if he ain't. Jonathan looked at Wetzel's face. Then he rose to his knees, as said Wetzel, and tightened his belt. He knew that in another instant they would be speeding away through the forest. Lou, my rifle's no good for that distance. But maybe yours is. You ought to know. It's not sense, because there's Simon Gertie and there's Jim. The men were after. If you can hit one, you can another. But go ahead, Lou, plug that cowardly redskin. Wetzel knelt on one knee and thrust the black barrel forward through the fern leaves. Slowly the fatal barrel rose to a level and became as motionless as the immovable stones. Jonathan fixed his keen gaze on the haughty countenance of Half King, as he stood with folded arms and scornful mien in front of the Christians he had just condemned. Even as the short, stinging crack of Wetzel's rifle broke the silence, Jonathan saw the fierce expression of Half-King's dark face change to one of vacant wildness. His arms never relaxed from their folded position. He fell as falls a monarch of the forest trees, a dead weight. End of chapter 24 of The Spirit of the Border by Zane Gray Recording by Leonard Wilson of Springfield, Ohio